0: good morning it is good to see everybody my name is Chris Pate I am the lead pastor here if you're new with us we're thankful to have you today on campus Sunday and a couple of uh, what we call pulpit talk before we get into the scripture give you a little pulpit talk a few things I want to I want to talk to you about so our church I love our church I love our church And we have a super Sunday potluck party and we want to invite you. But one thing about our church, man, people don't like to register. I'll tell you that right now. I love you. God bless you. I know you're afraid that the Eagles are going to win, but here's the deal. We want to really encourage you. We are creating intentional environments, not around football, but really around the fellowship and the opportunity to be able to come together. So we want to encourage you. We register, come. We are doing gifts and prizes for the best food, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be really good. And we are trying to intentionally, especially with a lot of new people, some people that just walked in Houston like a month ago that are coming to the church. We're trying to really help connect with a lot of you. And so we want to create these environments to do that. So help us out, go online, go, our app register if you'd like to do the super Sunday potluck party you don't want to miss it it's going to be awesome we're going to have a great time the talk over for that also purple book. If you have not, take the challenge. We are doing a, a purple book challenge right now. And many of you have done over 236 people, I believe, have taken the challenge, gotten our free purple book. And what this is, is our small groups are going through this uh, every week. We're preaching on this. So I'm on chapter three today. We're going to talk about repentance and baptism today. But we also want to encourage you, go through this on your own or with someone. And what it is, is a workbook. I want to really encourage you to get in the word and dive in. Let's Dig those firm foundations and not just sing about it, but be about it as well. Uh, that's my passion too. You're welcome. Welcome to City Life. I have, wow, a lot of juice. I have a one point message today, and here it is as we talk about repentance and baptism. It's this idea as we're in this unshakable series the unshakable life is a lifestyle of repentance. Now, let me define repentance for you biblically. Here's, here's one definition. To have a change of self, heart, and mind that abandons former dispositions and results in a new self, new behavior, and regret over former behavior and dispositions. You heard some of that even in the testimonies earlier from McKinsey and T. Good. The, the, the regret... And remorse. But listen, repentance is not just, I feel bad, I'm sorry. But listen, it's turning from one thing to turn to another thing. And a lot of people miss this point because it's not just close your eyes and don't do that anymore. It's, why would you want to do that when you get to do this? This is the repentance that Jesus offers. I like the Hebrew word for penance or repent is naham. Say nahum. You got a huh, come on, Nahum. Get the phlegm out, Nacham. I love this word because it's actually an onomatopoeia. You know what an is? it is? It's a, it's a formation of words from sound. And so in the Hebrew language, the idea or the sound of nahum is what you actually feel. You feel remorse, Nacham. You're supposed to sense it to Feel it. You feel a sense of regret for form of behavior, but also you turn to do something different. I like one definition said, Nahum is not just turning or turning away towards something, but actually canceling your plans. I like that definition of repent. I was going this way. I'm canceling those plans, not to Netflix, right? But to do something else. And that's what the idea of repent is. Scripture in Proverbs 4 says this, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. But the path of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. This idea of repent is all throughout scripture because it's stop going this way and start going this way. Change the way you think about God, about life, about your position in life, and come into God's way of living and God's kingdom. And it's Jesus who came on the scenes and he used this word. In fact, Matthew 4:17 says: From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, again, we think repent, right? And we think turn or burn kind of idea. And Jesus is going, no, 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 change the way you think, which then subsequently will change the way you act. Because every time in life, you think, then you act. You think, then you act. Change the way you think, and then it will govern your feet in acting the right way. And what he promises, repent, because God's kingdom is here. The path to the kingdom is this way. Follow me. Now it's funny in our culture today, because I know a lot of people like, I hate church. I hate organized religion. I hate all that, but I love Jesus. And my first question is, have you actually ever read about Jesus? Because this dude was savage. He wasn't just, oh, great. You know, shiny, happy people holding hands and like little fat babies just around his head all the time. Everybody's like, oh. Every time he talks, everybody was just like, this is just everything. In fact, he made a lot of people mad to the point they killed him. The things that he said were astonishing and yet rang true in every heart because that's what truth does. Truth, you know it like that note when you hear it. You know when it's off, and you hear it when it's on, ah, And Jesus came, ah, and everybody went, oh. (laughs) He came on the scene, not with just God loves you. Yes, God loves you. And let me show you God by looking at me, but also change your perspective on life. Change everything. And, and I could give you more definitions and show you more scriptures, but one thing I love that Jesus would do is he wouldn't just give you bullet points, he would actually give you a story. Let me give you a story, because we all live in story, we all love story, and we love the idea and we kind of walk in the story. Some so much are like in the Star Wars story that you really actually think you can like change people. Like you really feel like you have Jedi powers because you're so in that reality, right? Some of us are so in the story and Jesus says, I've got a much better story. And let me tell you, by the end of this message and reading the story of God, it doesn't make repentance, Nahum, just this drudgery thing. It is, why would I not want to walk in this story? It's a more beautiful story. What the world wants to do is do a caricature of Christianity and say, you have to have this political belief or you have to act just like this. And we go, I don't like that story. And Jesus comes in and says, there's things you need to believe for sure, but there's more important a father to be loved and a father who loves. He enters into us, into this story through changing the way we think about God and life. And let me start, if you know Luke 15, you've heard probably a message if you've been in church at all on the prodigal son. And that's the story we're giving today. But here's what I wanna ask you to do sometimes. I love when people are like, I don't know anything about scripture because it's like, oh, get ready. Because some of us, we grew up and we've heard the prodigal son and we already have this familiarity. Yeah, I got it. And I promise you don't. And if it doesn't continue to amaze you, something's missing. Let's look at what Jesus does to tell a story. And let's start with who he's talking to, who his audience is, because he's a master teacher. And one of the first things you do when you're teaching is know your audience. It starts with this, verse one, chapter 15 in Luke. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. These tax collectors and sinners loved something about Jesus and his message. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he gave them a checklist of things to do. No, so he told them a story. Now let's stop before we get into the story because again, context matters. So you have on one hand, sinners and tax collectors. That's you guys, all you guys, okay? You have on another hand, scribes and Pharisees. Sorry, students, you're, you're gonna be Pharisees today, okay? And, and what this is, is two people, two different audiences, rebellious and religious. And Jesus knows there's questions about why the rebellious are endeared towards him. And the religious are mad. How dare he? So he tells them a story. And notice right away in the story, he's speaking to two different people. He said, verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me now. In our Western mentality, when we read this right away, we go, well, this is bad. But a lot of us, especially some of our parents that are afraid to discipline their kids, I'm not telling you how to do it. I'll tell you how I grew up and I'm not advocating for it, but I was never spanked because I got whooped, okay? Very different, very, very different, okay? The fear of God, okay, was, was in me. A lot of fear, now I'm not, I'm not advocating anything, so don't email me. If you do, g at clchouston.com. <laughs> uh, but listen, I'm not telling you how, I'm not telling you how to live your life, but in our culture today, where we just let people just do whatever they want and we'll, we'll just kind of let them kind of raise the parents, so to speak, that is not this culture. So we might like, I hate you, slam the door, and we're just like, oh, you know, Timmy's just going through something, right? And, 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 and we get that at a really young age in some ways. We get it, okay? But in this culture, they are not that individualistic and just kind of let them be them. It is an honor-shame culture. It is a familial culture. It's a community culture. And the worst thing you could do is shame your parent or to have that shame come on your family. Everything is about family and raising them up. And so right away, here's what Jesus is. You got to get this. He is painting the picture of the worst kind of person in their culture. That you would rather your kid be a mass murderer. You understand? than what he is painting right away. Because the kid goes to the father and says, give him my share of property right now. Well, when does he get that share of property? When the father dies. So is telling the father, you are dead to me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I wish you were dead. Give me my stuff that's owed. Listen, in that culture, you could kill that kid. You could beat them on their way out. Don't you ever like, get them out of there. That would be the proper response. So right away, everybody listening is going, oh man, watch what happens. And he divided his property between them. Like right away, listen, this father said, okay, that's crazy. I don't know what kind of family you grew up with, what kind of father you had that was there or not there. We all have issues. I was not hugged enough as a kid either. I get it. In that culture, Right away, they're already going, this is some kind of weird story. Because not only did he divide his property, but their property means he would have to get rid of land, sell land, sell cattle. I mean, that word property in the Greek is actually bios, livelihood. Your very life, you're dividing. And your son wants nothing to do with you. And what does that say about all the people around you as well? Now, not many days later, this younger son, gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property and reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. See, before he had everything he needed, He has inheritance, he's going out, he's partying, he's doing his thing. It says he goes to a far country. And even though... famine hits and he begins to be in need. He is still not turned and repented. He's still thinking maybe it will work out. And you've seen these people, maybe you've been this person where you kind of said, God, I'm gonna do my own thing or parents, I'm gonna do my own thing or whatever. And you go off and at first everything's good and people really like you, especially when you pay for things and everything's going really, really well. And then you hit bottom, maybe a hurricane hits, maybe COVID hits, something on the outside that you cannot control because the world's not just wrapped around you and what you can do. There are so many things happening in the intricacies of life that you cannot control. Famine hits and all of a sudden he's in need, but he still has not repented. Verse 15, so he went, I'm gonna figure this out. And hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Now, you're in the story, if you're listening and you're from a Jewish perspective going, oh, so he went to the Gentile area. Not only did he leave his family, he left his religion, everything, and he is with Gentiles because see, Gentiles farm pigs. Jews do not. It's not kosher. So we're getting more understanding. This guy is the lowest of the low, far, far, far from his father. And it said this, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. He got to the very bottom and sometimes sadly, God in his love for you lets you go your own way. It's God, it's called God's passive wrath. He will let you just go your own way because he's not gonna just chase after you and make you. He's gonna let you go in love, do what your heart desires to where you will be crushed because scripture says this, you'll either humble yourself or you will be humbled in God's grace to come to the end of yourself. And this is where he comes to things. I've noticed what it says in 17. But when he came to himself, another scripture, other versions say, when he came to his senses. I like that. He came to his senses. It's like he's been thinking, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna do this. There's no way. I can't go back. I gotta pursue, continue. And he came to his senses. He's looking at a pig eat. And he says this how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? He's like, maybe my dad wasn't that bad. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, notice what he says, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. First of all, this isn't like us where maybe we could just go back to our parents and they'll receive us. Listen, they could, he could die going back to his parent at this point. Squandering everything, nothing, you're dead to me. He could be killed. But at the best in that culture, the parent could hire him back as a servant so that he's just at least fed and taken care of, but he'll never be a son again, culturally. And that's what he asked for. Just make me hire a so You're a better, I'd rather be your slave than this person's slave. Notice what he says, verse 20. And when he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Listen, he didn't run and strangle him. He embraced him. And it says this, while he was afar off, which means the father was looking, was longing for his return, even though he wanted nothing to do with him and wished he was dead still longing what this is a great father i don't know about you this is a father you want this is a relationship you want he hugged him, he embraced him and kissed him. Notice what the son does. The son does, when you know you're gonna have a hard conversation, you rehearse it. I don't know about you, but I do that. 90% of my job is hard conversations, right? I gotta sit down and talk with somebody. Hey, what's going on? Why are you doing this? What's going on? You know, how can we do this? What can we switch, change? And I rehearse a lot, especially in the shower. I'm like, yes, Lord, this is what I'm gonna say. This is what they might say. And I'm rehearsing and I'm getting it ready. He has already rehearsed. It's exactly what I'm gonna say. And notice, this is what he says. Father, from verse 19, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no, worthy, no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father cuts him off because the rest of it, treat me as one of your hired servants. The father doesn't even let him continue. Notice what he does. But the father said to his servants, like, okay, okay, son servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate you have to understand the hearers that Jesus is talking to would be going, what? because he didn't say son, you stink because he probably came with rags Half naked, smelling bad with pigs, and get a bath, bro. What do you do? I don't care how you came, just that you came. Oh, yeah, right. Isn't that the gospel? Yeah. How you are. Don't try to clean yourself up. Brush your teeth before you go to the dentist and get a cleansing. Listen, <laughs> it, what's done is done. <laughs> don't do it. Like maybe mouthwash, because that's nice. You can't fix it at this point. And God says, I don't want that. In fact, I detest that. Come as you are, and I'm not going to tell you to get a bath. I'm going to put a robe. I'm going to put a ring. And what that is, we don't understand that. He's adopting him again as a son. What kind of dad would do this? Jesus is going, there's a different story than what religious people are trying to tell you all the time. He celebrates. He says, "Fogo de Chao, here we come! Get that fatted calf, and we're partying now." Is that a beautiful story or what? We love that, and we constantly talk even about the scripture, the prodigal son. But listen, there are two types of people: rebellious and religious. It does not stop there. This is called the prodigal sons. There's another son, and it says this. Now the older son was in the field. What does that mean? That man is working. Anybody ever worked a farm at all? Worked on a farm? It's harder than H-E-B, I'll tell you that. Like H-E-B, but you got to actually deal with animals and, and, and milk animals, right? And, and do things with obstinate creatures that might not help you. And there's a stink and a sweat and you get up early and it says, that son did not squander, but he had been there and he's working. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and saw dancing. (laughs) He's out there with the animals and he's working, he's going, what is happening? I haven't heard celebration in a long time. So he didn't run to the house watch. He called one of the other servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, the servant said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Rebellious, Religious. Why was he angry? In this time, the culture was what, what, what was known as there was a culture called primogenitor, Prima meaning the first son gets two thirds of the inheritance. So when this younger son, second son, said, I want my inheritance, he got one third. So everything that's left is the older sons. So now when he hears, my father, oh, you bleeding heart, man. You just love your son so much, but you are writing checks that are mine now. I have to sacrifice to bring him in, and you're just so great and loving. You just want to have a party, but it's on my dime because that's my inheritance, that's my calf. And I've been working so hard. Notice what happens. His father came out, scripture says, and entreated him, which means he came out to, hey, what's going on? But he answered his father, father, no, look. You hear the same obstinance that the younger brother had. Look, you These many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, not my brother, this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? You're writing checks that are mine. You're using my, because he brought him back in, so guess what, now he gets another third because he's back as a son. Now, many of you guys, how many of you guys are, are, are oldest in your family? Oldest, yeah. Here's something us older, oldest people know about young people and about our younger brother and sister. We know the younger brother and sister, they want freedom. In fact, they want all the freedom, but they go about it the wrong way. They do it in a rebellious sense. They come home late at night, sneak through. And the parents. He, smell the alcohol on their bed, they're like, yeah, they're always caught. They're always getting in trouble. But see, the older sibling knows the way you get the freedom is through obeying the rules, If you follow the rules and you do the right thing all the time, you go to church and I read my Bible and I do everything. So so if my parents smell alcohol, I can say, well, you know, that's just like, you know, mouthwash. And they believe me because I know how to follow the rules. I do the things. But listen, here is the problem. Both sons just wanted the father's stuff, not the father. The first one did it with rebellion and he wants all the freedom. And listen, if you want all the freedom, you will end up with no freedom. It's called prison, okay? If you know how to do it, you will get freedom by hard work, bootstraps, doing the right thing. But listen, both of them, the younger son decided, I want my stuff now, I don't want a relationship with you and left. The older one said, I'm staying, I'm the righteous one, but he didn't want the father, he wanted his stuff too. It's all he wanted. How do we know that? Because he said, called himself a slave, called himself a servant. You haven't even given me a fatted calf. I'm just a servant. He saw himself as a servant even though he was a son. Because when you're just after the stuff of God and the blessing of God and not God himself, you don't get either. And you can do it through the rebellious way or you can do it through the religious way. You see how savage Jesus is with this simple parable that we all think and then you go, oh my gosh, no wonder they killed the man. You're telling me that I'm not gonna get the blessing of God as a child of God. And he said, no, I'm challenging your motive. Because God wants to see repentance, listen, not just from the bad things you've done, but the reason why you do good things for his stuff. And we've all been on one category or another. Some of us kind of fall, lean more in one than the other. But when God comes to you and you're angry that a party is happening, see, religious people never like singing and dancing, right? They don't even know how. It's like, hey, you just got to stay right here. You just got to, you know, I'm not used to dancing, so I'm just going to stay right here, right? I don't even know how to do that, but I'm not entering into the party. And this is how the parable ends. The father says to him, son, you're always with me. I notice you're here, you're serving. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting, it was right to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And listen, and then he drops the mic and the story's over and you're left with this cliffhanger. What's gonna happen? Is that older brother gonna enter into the party or is he gonna stay mad on the outside? And that's the point of the parable. The rebellious people are so elated at the love of the father that he would invite them in knowing how evil they've been. And the religious people Are entitled, expecting everything and not getting it, and staying on the outside, they won't come and party with what God is trying to do. And what was God trying to do in this parable? Here's the takeaway. It took the sacrifice of the firstborn son in order to bring in the wayward son back to. The father and the family. The father is God who so loves the world that he gives. And Jesus is the true Son, looking at the scribes and Pharisees saying, Listen, we're to sacrifice to bring everyone into this party. But you won't do it, so I will. And isn't that what scripture says? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, his firstborn. Jesus is the one that stepped in and said, I'll sacrifice so everyone can come to the party because I'm not about my blessing and my thing. I'm about my father's business. I'm not after him for his stuff. I'm after him because I get him. Listen, this is the message of the gospel. And this is why. The unshakable life is a lifestyle of repentance. It's not just one time, okay, now everything's great. Sometimes you have to wake up and go, why am I so downtrodden? Why am I so frustrated? Why are things not working out in my classes or my career? Or I'm trying to figure out how to pay all this. I thought if I went to church or did everything right, you would bless me. And you have to repent and go, whoa, that's not the story. The story is my father, God loves me. He is the prince of peace. I want peace, but because his presence is peace, I need his presence and I'll get peace. How many of us want the blessing and the peace without the presence? I don't really want a relationship with God. You're believing the wrong story, but if you focus on the love of God, it makes you repentance, not just feel bad, but you actually feel right. Right. I love the book of Acts. Peter preaches this message as I close. And he says, gives them the gospel message in Acts 2. And notice the response. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Okay, I hear the gospel. What do I do with that? What a great question. And Peter said to them, repent. Repent change the way you think and act and be baptized that just means be be baptized yes in water but it's symbolic to saying I give my all like I immerse myself completely in God and the story that he's created in the love of the father change the way you think and be immersed every one of you In the name of Jesus Christ, with the forgiveness of your sins, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Love the better, truer, older brother who did sacrifice to get you in. Immerse your life in him. Not as some weird religious zealot, but as one that truly believes the story of God that he loves. He's graciously receiving the rebellious and waiting for the religious to come to the party. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've brought us to the party, God. Lord, we hear the music, we hear the grace, we hear the joy when people repent. Let us not be in disdain because it's not our blessing. Let us be excited, God, that you're bringing more people into the brotherhood and the sisterhood and the family of God. Pray, God, that you help us to repent by seeing this better story.